This podcast is brought to you in part by The Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. I am your host, Derek, and this is a new feature that I am starting with this episode, and it is going to be called The Geekology of. And tonight, we are doing The Geekology of Collecting. And so I have a few very special guests with me to talk about collecting and our collections and you know everything related to collecting so of course um i will i will introduce you all individually and you can uh tell us a little about yourselves and what you collect so uh let's start with andy hey everyone uh my name is andy i'm a co-host of the hall of chronicles podcast which is a, a star wars toy and collectibles podcast we you know we will dabble in the current event of star wars but uh we're here for the talking about sharing and kind of networking getting the right toys to the right people whenever possible um so yeah we we talk strictly star wars uh, i collect star wars mostly vintage but i will kind of dabble in some of the newer things like funko pops and black series um, <laughs> and the vintage collection uh it's tough to stay completely out of the new stuff because the new stuff's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I've got, I've got a big room full of star Wars stuff and, and, uh, uh, having a podcast helps me justify having it. (laughs) (laughs) So do you mostly, mostly you collect star Wars stuff, right? But you do, do you collect, you do have some other stuff, right? I, I do. At one point I had a pretty large GI Joe, collection mm, because um from from 82 to 89 90 right in that window um myself and i have two younger brothers we were all all kind of into it and so you know birthdays christmas uh you know just just if we bugged mom enough we would get gi joe stuff all three of us and so i had all three of our gi joe stuff at the house for a while um, and it was, it was awesome, mm-hmm. but I, I did downsized most of it so I could get more star Wars stuff. Um, but bef- before that I had a, a pretty, pretty vast, uh, uh, U2 vinyl collection. Speaking of, I know uh, we have a, a store owner of some vinyl present with us here, but, um, yeah, I had over 300 U2 albums. Wow. Um, of like bootleg concerts and singles and i mean but again that that got pared down so i could 
do, you know, get into something else. And I don't know. I think I've always had collector tendencies. I feel like I'm at a meeting here. Um, I feel like I've always had. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. I mean, you're my friend. <laughs> Hi, my name's Andy. I'm a collector. I was uh, going to start the show that way, but I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, I think, you know, one collection has just kind of evolved into another, which evolved into another, which helped me kind of then land on Star Wars. So I do still have like that first 1982 group of uh, G.I. Joe's that I don't think I'll ever get rid of just because they have a strong sentimental tie. But, mm. but yeah, it's it's mostly Star Wars now with with just a, a couple shelves on one display case with some G.I. Joe's. So that's that's where I'm at now. Cool. OK, let's move on to Byron. Tell us about yourself and your collection. Hi, uh, I'm Byron. I am the resident video game guy at uh, That's Entertainment in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and um, I collect video games. Um, I started when I was 12 and have just kind of been going ever since um, through bouncing between different game consoles, mostly from the 90s and some from the 2000s, um, with my current one being GameCube, so the 2001-era Nintendo. Um, my biggest one, though, is always Super Nintendo. That's like the main focus of my collecting um, up until I had completed the collection and then moved on to other things because there wasn't really anywhere to go at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I do mostly this, the games themselves, occasionally other things like like uh, kiosks, the store display kiosks, and um, just odds and ends that I think are interesting, like pog sets and mm. cookie jars, things of that nature. Cool. So do you, uh, do you play your video games or do you, do you just display them? <laughs> Um, I play the ones that I think are worth playing. Not all of them are really worth playing, in my opinion. Um, when you're going for just complete video game libraries, you get a lot of stuff that isn't very good. Um, yeah. I would imagine. What's like your favorite video game to play? Oh, my favorite? Like, the video game that I can always go back to and play is probably The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo. Nice. Okay. I, just, I can go back to it any time, and, and I never get bored of it. Nice. That's cool. All right, let's move on to Lee. Tell us about yourself and your collection. All right, so I'm Lee. I live up in um, Lunenburg, Massachusetts. Right next to Fitchburg, as it were. Went to Lunenburg High School. And I, uh, I collect CDs. I have um, probably about 2,000 of them in my room slash basement. Most of them are on display. Some of them I actually don't want anymore, so they're just kind of in a box. They've been rejected. Sometimes I feel sorry, <laughs> but you got to let go sometimes. So I have, yeah, about 2,000 of those, and um, I've been collecting them since I was 12. That's when I first like bought a CD with my own money, and that's around the time when I first had my own CD player as well. Um, what first, was that first CD? It was Good News for People Who Love Bad News by Modest Mouse. Hmm. You guys know the song "Float On." Yeah, yeah, that's the that's uh, that that album came out in like 2004, and that song was all over the radio. And I heard it on the radio, like on FM radio, when I was 12, and I thought it was. I remember, like, I only heard the last five seconds of it at first, but I was like, "Whoa, what's that?" <laughs> it's so catchy, you know. <laughs> so I went to Fye later that year and got the CD, and that's how it started. Cool. The the start. Yeah. So, so the same kind of question applies to you that we asked Byron. Do you listen to all of your CDs, or 
Are there some that are just for collecting? I listen to pretty much all of them. I mean, I don't have time to listen to all of them as much as I would like to. Sure. Um, there are a few that I never got too attached to. Well, a few, like, you know, there's a decent amount of CDs that I, I don't listen to very much and that I could probably part with or that I don't like anymore. But for the most part, I do listen to them all. Um, they're all on my computer, and I have them backed, on, backed up on three different external hard drives. It's almost 200 gigabytes of music. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and there's, I have my favorite albums, obviously, and my favorite artists. Like, my favorite band of all time is Pink Floyd. Got tons of CDs by Pink Floyd. Cool. Good and, stuff um, there. And my favorite, my favorite era to collect CDs from, though, is the 1990s. That, I feel like, was the height of, the height of the CD, you know, commercially. Right. Yeah. Everybody was buying CDs. Vinyl was going out of style. Cassettes, they were there, but they weren't as mainstream as they had been in the 80s. It was right. all about the CD and manufacturing the CDs and buying them at whatever, like Tower Records and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, was back when they had like, like the about. ridiculous packaging and stuff too. Oh, the the tall boxes and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember those. <laughs> or were any of you guys ever members to BMG or Columbia House? No, I never got roped into it. <laughs> oh, I did, man. I was uh, a sucker for that. I did too. I must, yeah. <laughs> I, I must have bought 15 CDs for 21 cents like three or four times in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to talk about how it. Many, how many of the Star Wars? How many what? What was it? How many of the, uh, from the record company, DVR, from the record club, was the Star Wars soundtracks? <laughs> well, let's see. In the 90s, I was mm. in high school and college, so I hadn't quite gotten there yet. Yeah, I don't even know if they had my, any Star Wars uh, my, soundtracks. I didn't. I didn't have disposable income yet, so yeah, uh, I had to buy things for pennies. I know, Otherwise, right? <laughs> I wasn't getting them. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that uh, the early part of the collecting. Yeah, I was I was doing all my mine off paper route money, yeah. Yeah, just whatever I could get. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, and change. All right, mm-hmm. so um, Paul, your turn. Give us a little about you and what you collect. Right. I am Paul. I live up in Winston, up in the sticks. <laughs> um, sort of like Derek, my first collection was comic books. Mm. We went, my aunt took me to the bottom of the variety store at the bottom of the hill where we used, where I used to live. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, those mom and pop stores, they always had that. Spinner rack. Yep, the old spinner the comics rack. on them. All right. Now, my first comic I ever bought was Batman 251. Ooh. And after that, it just took off. Because, <laughs> I mean, I would come home, watch the Batman show in, in reruns, and I didn't know what comic books were till that day. Oh, nice. And then I would get, get comic books. And I would read them, and they were there was back then there was a big debate, you know, like comic books weren't real books. Oh right, yeah. Because at that time I, I was behind in reading, okay, but I would read the book, and any words that I didn't know, my dad would say, "Look it up in the dictionary," and if you need help after that, I'll explain it to you. And I went from I went from behind to like third grade reading when I was in first grade. Um, cool. It was pretty yeah, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people became really good readers from reading comics. Yeah. I never got into comic books. Um, I read, like, the newspaper comics, and I learned a lot of words from those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can actually learn yeah, stuff from um, comics. Yeah, some some schools are even allowing comics to be used for, like, summer reading and things like that now. Yeah. I also, when I was younger, I collected, um, I wasn't much of a candy freak. <laughs> so, like, at Halloween or Easter, I would get basically toys. Hmm. And back cool. then, back then they had, they had the 12 inch GI Joes. Oh, and, yeah. And they yeah. had the me, the Meagle superheroes. Oh, yeah. So I had, I had quite the collection back then. Cool. Now I'm just collecting like certain pieces from the Black Series, mm. um, Marvel Legends, the Marvel Universe, the three, uh, three and three quarters. I love those. And I just recently got the six inch G.I. Joe Snake Eye. Oh, did you? I want to get that. Oh, cool. that. That just came out I on get top that of my bad. comics. Cool. So. All right. Well, um, finally, of course, I am Derek and I collect. Let's see. Looking around Everything. my <laughs> looking my, around <laughs> my room here. I collect comic books. I collect Transformers. I collect Star Wars stuff. Um, I collect. I have a collection of the Marvel Universe three and three quarter inch figures. Uh, I also recently have gotten into Funko Pops, and uh, also, uh, yeah, I have a, I have a lot of different things I collect. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot in this room. <laughs> I've been trying to reorganize this room. This the room where I'm recording this podcast is not only my podcast room, but it's also my room where I display my whole collection. So I call it my sanctum sanctum sanctorum. Um, yeah. So man cave. I don't like the term man cave. <laughs> well, uh, we had a, we had a little uh, discussion about yeah. I, I didn't really like the term man cave either, although it is in a corner of my basement and it, there are no windows, so it is appropriate. <laughs> Technically, but, yeah. uh, but uh, we, my wife and I, and and then Josh who is on the podcast with me. Uh, we decided to call it the Moss Eisley Mantina. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a sign made. <laughs> I like it. That's go. awesome. That's definitely better than man cave. I hate that. Cause when I think of man cave, I think of like sports and stuff like that. And that's not, I don't have anything yeah. sports related in here. <laughs> it's like big, well, big think- fluorescent beer signs on the wall. <laughs> exactly. And- yeah. <laughs> And also, it's just the word caveman switched around. So I imagine I picture caveman when I hear that. Term. You know what? You're absolutely, I didn't even think of that. You're absolutely right. Men <laughs> in a cave. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get into the nitty gritty here. Um, let's talk about why we collect things. Have you ever really thought about that? Why you collect things? Because I don't know how to stop. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> It's, um, well, it definitely, it definitely satisfies an itch. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. And just when you have something that you really enjoy, like say Star Wars or video games or whatever, it's just, you just want everything. 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 Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, the collector's mentality. Mm. 
And I had that when I was a kid too, before I, when I was like in my single digits, before I got CDs, I collected, um, I don't have them anymore, but I collected Bionicles. Oh, nice. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it started at a young age, you know, and I also, I had Pokemon cards and I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I always had this kind of urge in me to have a collection and it, Mm -hmm. it feels so good for some reason to have a collection and to, to look it over. And it's entertaining too. It's good, right? You know, um, you see your time kind of gives meaning to your life. <laughs> yeah, part of the fun is the hunt. And... Yeah, yes, hunt is a lot of fun. Well, so there's there's layers to it uh, for me anyway. I've thought I've actually thought a lot about it because you get to a point, you get to a point where like, geez, what am I gonna do with all this stuff? And uh, and so. I've always been a, a pretty competitive person, mm. um, you know, growing up sports was a big part of my life. And, and, uh, you know, there, were, if it wasn't one thing, I was another, I was just, I was always active and doing things like that. And, and so, so, and, and this is going to sound silly, I imagine, because <laughs> this is the first time I'm actually putting this in words, but, um, <laughs> like the, the competition to win an auction, like it's a rush and 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 that i know that has caused me to spend more than i was hoping to at times just because i would rather win than walk away right um but but that there is an element of competition that it kind of satisfies within me like yes i won (laughs) you know high five and uh and then the reality sets in yeah, like, oh, no, dang it, I got to pay for that. But, uh, but then there, but one thing, uh, that both Josh and I really enjoy about collecting is the interaction. And, uh, and, you know, you go to, like, I do a lot of, uh, my collecting through OfferUp and Craigslist and, and I, I do a fair amount of eBay too, don't get me wrong. But, but like going and buying somebody, like, they'll post on OfferUp, hey, you know, I've got this, case full of figures, you know, and then, and then you talk to them and you kind of see, you get, you get an understanding why they're getting rid of it because there's a lot of reasons why people get rid of stuff. And, right. and, and then, uh, you know, you, you negotiate a price, you swing by their place or you meet somewhere and then you shake that, shake the person's hand and, and, uh, you know, you strike a deal and that, that, that whole process, um, when both parties can walk away satisfied, feels really good. Uh, and so that there's there's the interaction part of it. I know some people aren't, you know, I'm I'm more probably more of an outgoing kind of personality. So I, I do like talking to people. I do like, uh, you know, walking through their uh, man cave, for lack of a better term, Derek. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, and so it what I found and and this just extends through Twitter, too. And now I get to talk to all you guys. But like I'm learning about you guys. And, and so, you know, knowing knowing that, you know, a couple of you collect comic books. Well, those are things that I generally I'm hands off about, you know. Well, next time I see one now, now I know a, a person or two that, hey, you know, is this interesting to you? Because I don't know a, a lot of comic book collectors. Hmm. And so now we've kind of made a connection and we can network a little bit. Um, and and it's just it, it opens doors. You know, the collector doesn't matter what you're collecting. If you can find people that also collect those things, I've found that to be a pretty generous group of people. Like, like hey, you know, once you get to know someone, you're not going to rip them off. And so, uh, you know, helping each other 
find things that they're looking for becomes kind of a secondary thing to your own collection. And it, and again, that feels good. So there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, for me, there's a lot of, it feels goodness to collecting, not just about my collection, you know? So right. it's almost layers. like a satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. Sure. Now, speaking of, um, eBay and ripping people off. Uh, I know Byron, you had mentioned something <laughs> when I talked to you at the store earlier today. So uh, why don't you go ahead and rant a little? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just uh, recent trends on eBay as far as, um, especially in the video games, and probably other collectibles too, where uh, people generally refer to them as shill bids, where you'll see a game that traditionally, you know, historically you can look back at sold listings even as recent as just like a week prior where it sells for 40 or $50 consistently. And then all of a sudden, for five or six different games, all from the same seller, they all sell at auction for $200. Um, not even like 201 or just 200 flat on all of them. Um, and it raises a couple of red flags where you're just like, these don't seem legitimate. You know, there's something going on here. Um, and it seems to be happening more and more often. And um, at least with video games, a lot of people use a website known as Price Charting, to get values for the games. It's an aggregate that takes all the eBay sold listings and averages them and gives you a value. Mm-hmm. So when something like that sells at 200, all of a sudden the value of the game, quote unquote, you know, goes up. Um, and then it gets listed on eBay for 75, 85, 100. It's kind of like artificially inflating the value. Yeah. Uh, and games recently, just in the last couple months have, there are games that have gone from $20 to $120 in less than, less than a month. It's it's been mm. very kind of a crazy time video game collecting. <laughs> Sounds like price gouging. Yeah, you know it's it's just you know artificial manipulation of the market. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Unfortunately, that's that's, uh, that's something you see sometimes in the collecting world. Yeah, well, you know, some, say some things like discovered to be fair. Yeah, oh, no, I, I just said that's corruption. That's corrupt. <laughs> So what about what about um, the, uh, for you the, collecting the, CDs, Lee? Is there is there are there things like that or? Um, I'm sure there are, but um, it's it's a little hard to put into words. I I I, I mostly I buy the CD because I want to listen to it. Mm. I don't go for like really expensive editions of albums. Like I'll I usually find not necessarily the cheapest I can find, but the cheapest it can get is it in while still having like the um the case intact and the disc readable, you know. Right. I just like to have it's it's the album that I'm there for, you know, like the the, the package that it comes in doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to have like, you know, um every edition of it or anything like that. So there's a lot of um like I I'm, I'm not really concerned with with uh, things being rare. Like there are rare CDs that I've gotten, but largely it's been because I want to own them and I want to listen to them. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to say I own that album. Like recently I got, um, I spent like a little under 40 bucks on like a, a Japanese import of, um, an album by a band called Ringo Death Star. They're from Texas. <laughs> and uh, yeah, great name, right? That's I think I've name. heard them before <laughs> or heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're from Austin, Texas. And, um, so I got that Japanese import, um, because it wasn't released on CD in Europe, um, or North. America it was only released on CD in Japan. Now in Europe and North America, they had vinyl editions and like you know digital downloads, but they didn't have the CD, so I had to get it from 
Japan, where it was you know more expensive, but it also right. came with like uh, three bonus packs, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Hmm. So I got an immense feeling of satisfaction when that CD came came in the mail. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do do any of you guys collect anything because of its value, or is it all, or is it mostly because it's just something you want? That's a difficult question. It is. <laughs> I know. Like I can't necessarily say that I want Mary Kate and Ashley Sweet Sixteen <laughs> on the GameCube, but I have it because it's part of. The, uh, <laughs> like, let it like, let it out. That's what we're here for. Because I I want to collect the entire GameCube library. So right. for, like. It's part of a whole instead of being an individual thing that I actually want. <laughs> so, so there are some some things that I don't care to play, but I want to own them, and they are expensive. I don't want them necessarily because they're expensive, though. Have you at least yeah. tried the game, or I can't say I've tried that one. It, <laughs> it might be wonderful. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that would be right up your alley. <laughs> I don't know how to take. That. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. So that I don't know what I exactly what I meant there. See, now personally, I don't really collect anything for pure value. I have a few things that are kind of valuable, but um, I collect more for like the joy what? of it than the value of it. So you don't like seek out key issues just because they're key issues. N- not really, um, because mostly they would be expensive so you know if i can get them great but <laughs> i don't really seek anything out you find a good value yeah. yeah um well that's different i mean comic book collections are different from that's you know because if you started you know mm. i'm sure he wouldn't turn down he wouldn't turn down the issue where green green goblin kills gwen stacy right if it's a kid of life either and i don't even collect comics right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't turn it down, sure, but I'm not gonna, I don't really seek it out, um, because that's not what I collect well, comics for, and plus, you know, again, it's a money issue. <laughs> so, so is this different than, like, buying something to flip it, or, uh, coming across somebody that, like, I'll give you, for example, um, I, I, I recently bought a G.I. Joe collection from a guy uh, who I knew who just wanted to get rid of it. He doesn't didn't care about, you know, wasn't sentimental to him or anything, um, you know, and he he didn't want to do the eBay route or Craigslist or, you know, uh, you know, and I was very upfront with him. I was like, look, if you, you sold this individually, you know, you could probably get this amount for it. But, you know, I'd only be willing to spend this much for it. And I probably wouldn't keep a lot of it. Um, uh, b- you know, because there is value to what he had. And, and again, I'm trying to get that Ewok battle wagon, which costs mm-hmm. a few bucks. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I ended up buying it from him with the intention on selling it. Now, so far I've put a few things up on eBay and it's just, you know, start at 99 cents and then whatever somebody wants to pay for it is fine. And I don't feel like I'm price gouging in that regard or, or, you know, taking advantage of a situation, whatever. Right. I just, whatever somebody wants to pay for, it's fine. And, and I'm okay with that. 
but my intention is to make money off of it. That's the only reason why I bought it. Um, well, that that's um, I would put that in a different category because the whole your whole intention is to just was to buy all that to sell it at a higher price. So rather mm. than say buying something for yourself because you know it's worth a lot, as opposed to buying you want to keep it. right, as opposed to buying something because it's something you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, op- there's also opportunities. Like he saw an opportunity to buy the collection, right? So he could sell, so he could sell it, and then use whatever he gets from it. Have, so he could turn around and buy more stuff for his collection. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, my, my entire collection um, is is funded off of selling things. Um, right. I, I don't. I haven't put a penny of my, my paycheck into it in probably four or five years now. It's all from selling other video games to fund my collection. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that games. at all. But that opinion. being said, like if I see some nice old lady selling a five hundred dollar video game for five dollars. I'm not just going to walk up and buy it for $5. I usually will walk up and say, this is worth a lot more. Can I offer you some more for this? Um, now, see, okay. That's, that's yeah. really cool. A lot of people wouldn't. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to bring up an experience that ah, I've had on cool. a couple occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, again, you get grandma that has a bunch of toys in her attic and she wants to just unload it because it's cluttered and whatever. And so she, he puts 20 bucks on a, actually, here was, here was a specific case. Um, a gal put $100 on about 25 Star Wars figures. About half of them had their weapons and accessories. And, uh, and, uh, they, they were in really good shape. And, and so I, I messaged, I said, Hey, I'm interested. Um, but I think what you have there is worth a, a little bit more. And, and I'd, I'd give you, you know, I'd give you $200 for it. Um, and, and she was like, Oh, well, thank you. These, these were my sons. I don't really know what they are. Let, let me, let me ask him. I haven't even told him I'm selling them yet. Oh boy. (laughs) And so the next, I I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, you don't know how big this is going to (laughs) get. Oh boy. This is the fun part. So the next day, the same little ad on offer up, the price, you know, I get this little notification because I, I like the ad, uh, mm-hmm. said that the price had changed. And so, um, so she didn't get back to me and tell me that she wanted to sell it to me. So I knew it wasn't going to be bad, but she put, uh, $1,900. Whoa. Uh, yeah, just like, and so out of morbid curiosity, I asked, I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. When I said you had something a little bit more here, uh, I, I meant, I meant like a hundred dollars more, not like a, uh, uh, you know, eighteen hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. more. I, how how did you how did you come up with that number? Because that's you know. Then I broke it down math wise. You know, nineteen hundred divided by twenty five figures is this much for each figure, and that's more than what you know. That's way more than what anybody would pay for it. Mm. Right. And um and then she she never she never got back to me and and uh, she never did sell her her stuff either as far as i know i can't imagine why (laughs) and so what i've learned what i've learned is if somebody says they're gonna they want to sell something for ten dollars that's worth a hundred dollars um instead of telling them you say you go 
you're interested and you'll buy it and you make sure you seal the deal first right. and then and then then you tell them when you're shaking hands and and in person you know what you have is worth a little bit more so i'm going to give you a little bit more for that so you still still have the opportunity to do the right thing you know and 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 not rip somebody off unknowingly but you don't give them time to uh uh, jump the gun and then then you don't then you've lost the deal. So uh, I, that's 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 what I do now and and that yeah. seems to, to work. I had a similar thing. It was the same kind of a thing where uh, you mentioned it and then she's like, oh, let me ask my son. Mm, and that, yeah. that's always like the oh, don't ask your son. <laughs> <laughs> it was going so well, but she was selling a massive amount of like, yeah. Well, it was like this this the whole front room of her house was full of old Atari computers and early atari consoles and games and oh wow everything in the box everything really nice wow um, and cool. she was asking a good amount of money for it but it was a lot less than it was worth because those things can go for quite a lot mm. um so i made her an offer that i felt was a fair offer but also left me some room to work with you know mm-hmm. and yeah. um she's like okay hold on let me ask my son and she came back with like two thousand dollars or something which was more than a thousand over what i was like even considering I was like, okay, uh, good luck. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it could be like awkward. Like what was that? I just said that they're like that. Just that just sounds awkward at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's totally kind of like abruptly ends the conversation. Like, okay. And then the worst part is missing out on all of that because of that. Right. Like I could have just taken it for like the two hundred she was asking and right. been happy with that, but yeah, oh, it's, it's yeah, tough get, sometimes. Get in, get in the room first, and then I'll show your benevolent side. Mm. Now, now, Lee, I I I wanted to ask you about because you collect CDs and stuff. You kind of have. It's kind of a different collection in a way, which kind of is kind of interesting. So through your collecting of these CDs, um, have you come across, like, discovered some new bands and, and new new music that you didn't know of before? Um, yeah, certainly. Well, I'm always looking for new bands, even uh, my age 27. Uh, but there's just so much out there. So much of it is so good, too. It's almost it's overwhelming. It's truly overwhelming. Um, and I've definitely found... and I, and I I find out about them by, like, uh, reading about them in books. I got this uh, book, actually. It's my favorite book of all time. It's called 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Oh, wow. And I found out about different releases um, just from looking in that book. Like, um, I recently got an album by a band called The Undertones, who were from Northern Ireland. Uh, they were, like, a punk band in the late 70s in Northern Ireland. Um who were much bigger in the UK than they were in the United States, but I would have never found out about it if I hadn't, if I didn't have this book. Hmm. So yeah, I, I find out about new stuff all the time, or new stuff that's old but new to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, like I also just recently I looked into, um, I found this. It was a blog post basically that was it was like, like ten obscure classics from the grunge era, and I was thrilled because like that's that's like one of my favorite eras and I found out about a couple of bands that I'd never heard of before that sound really cool and I uh, went on to Discogs and um, 
you know, looked at the prices and found that some of them were like, you know, within my budget. And uh, I got some of them, and I'm waiting for them in the mail, and I'm really excited. Don't your your CD player on your oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> right, it sounded like you were burning me a CD. How I was going to mention that, but <laughs> did you hear any of that then? Yes. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Okay, well, I just, I propped, I, I'm propping the phone up on my, my PC. I, I did, I did rip a CD a couple minutes ago. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, better to rip CDs and rip other things. Anyway. Um, yeah, like books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's in like this little empty nut container. Napkin. So, now, I want to get to a very difficult collection, a very difficult question for everyone. And that is, with your collections, um, do, you, do you display a lot of it? How do you decide what to display? How do you display th everything? Because um, like I said, I have an entire room here that I'm working on, and it's very hard sometimes especially now to find room for everything and find ways to display things. So every once in a while mm -hmm. I have to reorganize everything, which is what I'm currently in the process of doing. So, so what do you guys do with your collections? Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Paul. I got a, I just usually pick and choose like my favorite ones. Mm. I got a few Funko Pops. Um, I told Derek a couple of, like a couple of years ago for Father's Day, the girls got me a um a Meagles, uh Mr. Spock. Still in the still on the card. Oh yeah. I got that I got that displayed. Um one or two one or two of the uh Marble Legends. That's pretty about it. So how did before you... I I got cut what? How do you have that Spock displayed? Did you just do you have it on the wall or out in the open or in a case or? I got it almost like almost like a corner cabinet. Oh, okay, yep. And I use I use like a um like one of those plastic plastic uh, etzels, easels for uh for, for like a plate. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Derek, I, I got to know. You still there? Yep. Eric? Yep. I got I got a cut out. I gotta take care of some stuff. Okay. But it was nice meeting you, we and Andy. Hopefully yeah, nice I can stay you. around. Hopefully yeah, I can uh stick around for a longer time next time. Okay? Yeah, thanks for joining us, Paul. Have a good one, Paul. Yeah. Take care guys. See you later. All right. Uh all right, Byron, what about you and your video games? I'm very interested in hearing what you do with them. Well, I've seen some of what you do with them, but... You've, you've probably seen the extent of what's actually displayed, because for the <laughs> most part, um, it's not. <laughs> I don't really have like a permanent place to put it right now. My GameCube collection are neatly stacked against the back wall of my closet, so those are just <laughs> in the closet. Um, you know, I have some kiosk units and things. One's in the basement because it's still in pieces and needs some repairs. Um, the other is in my office behind me right now, just kind of sitting in the corner and it's not on. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I just have I have one main display case that's in the living room that is of one of like the subsets of my collection, which mm-hmm. was all a specific RPG series. So oh. it has a lot of figures, a lot of collector's editions, and things oh, like cool. that. Nice. Um, but aside from that, I don't really have anything displayed. It's just kind of stored. <laughs> do, do you have some sort of like uh, database that you keep record of what you have and what you still need to get? So yeah, so yeah, you're not uh, so that you're organized. <laughs> it, it it helps, but it, it doesn't. Uh, it's not foolproof. I yeah. just lost, uh, I think two weeks ago, I came home with a game. And I was like, yes, another game. One step, step closer to my completing my collection. And then I looked and I already had it. So, oh, I hate yeah. when I do that. I hate when I do that with stuff. But I just I hadn't properly updated my list. Yeah, I keep a list on my phone, and um, if I don't remember to update it, then I don't know if I have something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Josh and I have a rule that if uh, if like, and this this happens all the time with pre-orders. Like we'll pre-order something, mm. and uh, you know it'll be a couple months before it comes out, and then. And, it comes out in stores and you're like, Oh yeah, you forgot you pre-ordered it. So you go buy one and then, and then one shows up on your porch like a day or two later. And so what we, we do to try and curb that, uh, accidentally buying two is that if you accidentally buy something that you already have and it's a genuine accident, then you have to give the other one away. You have to give it. And so, uh, uh, this is, uh, especially true with Funko Pops. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because there's just so many out out there, and if you have, and uh, I've had to, I've had to give them, I've given about three or four away so far, but I- I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to learn. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lee, do you do anything special with your CDs? I know I've seen you. Um, you like to you've been posting some pictures of your various CDs on Facebook, which has always been pretty cool. Yeah, kind of like on an individual basis, I'll uh, post some pictures of them. They're on um, bookcases, basically, all over my room. There's, let me count them. Or bookcases, display racks, one, two, three, four, five, six of them. Wow. They're sizes. One of them is just a bookcase. One of them, or two of them I bought that were kind of meant for stuff like this, CDs or DVDs or right. books. Um, the vast majority of the CDs in my current collection are on display in my room. And I have like a downstairs bedroom, no windows, and it's pretty spacious, much more spacious than the room at my, my old house, I should add. It was a lot more cramped back there, but I still did it. I still displayed them. Um, but they took up like half the room. I do have one box of, they're basically like, they're the forsaken ones that I just don't <laughs> care about anymore. I don't like the music anymore. Or maybe right. I never did like, like I bought them kind of to take a risk then decided I didn't like them. So mm-hmm. I have, like, and I think that's probably about 100 out of, like, the, the 2,000 that I have that are just for, forsaken. And um, every once in a while, I'll think about, like, oh, I should sell these, you know, like trying to think about um, a way to get rid of them that could make me a little bit, bit of money. But, like, I'm too lazy, too lazy to make an <laughs> eBay account and, like, ship them to people and stuff. So they're just collecting yeah. dust in, like, the laundry room. I feel you. Believe me. <laughs> that actually, yeah. that um, having a, a box of like the forsaken things you're getting rid of, uh, or want to get rid of, um, it seems like something that's almost um, not taboo in the collecting world, but something similar to that. Like, do you get rid of things from your collection? Right. Or is it just if it's in your collection, there forever? That can <laughs> be hard. Right. That can be I really hard. I like to get hard. rid of stuff like because it's. 
because in the back of my mind, I always know if I keep going, I'm going to run out of space, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm, I, I, I fear the day that I run out of space to display them. So I do occasionally, yeah, I'll get rid of something. Well, you, then you just got to start prioritizing. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, it's like, OK, I've got all this stuff and and I'm getting more. So which are the ones that I actually don't need or don't want? And then that that box of expendables uh, happens. And uh, and then you have room for the, all the things you want. And so you I don't know. I find myself constantly doing that. Well, like, all right. Now, now this mm. shelf is full. Do I want to keep it that way or do I want to get other stuff on there? So then what do I got to take out? So I, re- I recently had to go through the, that with my Transformers collection because they were taking up too much space. So I had to go through each one, take each one and go, do I really need, you know, do I really love this one or can I put it away or, and then, you know, right. I'd put it in the box or I'd put it aside and like, no, this like, you know, some of them are given like any, anything Optimus Prime, any of my Optimus Prime toys, those stay out no matter what. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I'd have to take them on it and then look at each one and be like, mm, maybe I can put this one away, which can be tough. Makes sense. It can be really tough, but sometimes that's what you got to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lee, do you have do you have an organization for your CDs? Do you have a list of what you have or? I have. Um, yeah, I keep um, an alpha alphabetical list on um two alphabetical well okay too many thoughts at once here <laughs> uh, i keep an alphabetical list alphabetical by artist mm. um on my computer that i always update when i get a new one um starting with i guess yeah i guess acdc who I, I don't like very much but they're at the beginning of the alphabet <laughs> i have back to black um but um so i have that document and then i also have a document that or organizes them by release year starting at like i think 1956 oh, wow. oh cool that's the first album um and so i keep track of them that way with those two documents and sometimes it's a pain uh to go in and edit them every time i get a new one but it's 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 nice to have it all there and something mm. that you can sort of refer to and look mm-hmm. over it also helps like you look it over and you see what you're missing you know right yeah uh, yeah, definitely. It's a really good way to keep track of stuff. And do you have them organized on the shelf as well? Um, partially. All the albums I have that I have more than one of the same artist, like, you know, because I'm looking at, like, my Moby CDs right now. I got, like, four or five of those. Those are all alphabetized on, let's see, one, two, three, four, like, large racks, um, starting mm-hmm. with... Acid King and then Alice in Chains and those are all alphabetical by artists. But then the uh, I call them the one-offs, where it's just one album by one artist. Right. Those are are not organized. Those are they're actually behind me um, right now. I don't know. I'll give, it's not a visual show. You don't need to see them. But those <laughs> that's just complete chaos um, because it's again it's kind of like a it's 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 too difficult to go through all of them and alphabetize them because they're all like it's, it's tons of artists you know it's and it, it's um you would have to organize them one by one mm. and uh what happens sometimes is um an artist will graduate from that section and be, be added into the collection of um uh they that has the multiple album by that artist thing like um i'm trying to think of 
when that happened recently. I guess I can't, but um, that's kind of the system I have. Mm. So it is kind of it's kind of a disparity, honestly. But um, again, it's just it's kind of like it would just take so long. Mm. Yeah. Um, and Andy, what about your collection? Um, I have I have everything displayed. Uh, um, you know, I, I do have a closet that has some miscellaneous things in it, or like if I have some doubles or whatever, I'll, I'll put them in there. But large in part, everything's on display. Um, I used to I used to have a, a list, you know, where I would like I, for all the vintage Star Wars figures, you know, I'd run them all down, check off when I got them, check off when I got their accessories, you know, helmet, lightsabers, whatever, gun. And uh, once I did that, then uh, then I, I really haven't gotten back to the list, listing, organized, collecting as much. Um, I should. But, you know, uh, once if I'm outside of the vintage stuff, if like uh, like I told you guys earlier before we started, um, I just collect what I want instead of instead of collecting all the black series. I just grab the ones I want. Mm. want. I want the troopers. I want all the stormtrooper, clone trooper. You know, I, I just want those. I, I don't I don't have to get all of them. Yeah, uh, if you tried to get all of them, like you'd be you would be overwhelming, right? And you wouldn't have the space for it probably. Yeah. Uh, um. So my buddy Josh, he does collect black series and. Uh, he's got them on a shelf that wraps around his ceiling. So it's like a foot off the ceiling. And oh, then he's wow. just got them all. And it looks really cool, you know, because they're all numbered in order. And, you know, he's, that sounds cool. It, it, yeah, we should post a picture of it but um, on Twitter. But it, it's cool. And they're numbered. And for organization purposes, that's really convenient. But, uh, you know, they're not they're not accessible in that you can't take them down and handle them and look at them or, or even take them out of the box as it were. Um, so, I mean, I, all Josh and I, we display what we have. Uh, we want people to see, and we're fortunate enough too. And this is, a, a always a bugaboo with collecting is, is space, but you know, Josh's, Josh's day and or his office houses his collection and he's fortunate enough to be able to do that we have a little bonus room it's it's bedroom size uh in our basement that uh you know that i'm fortunate enough that i can uh, it's just it's just wall-to-wall display cases and ikea this and that and um so i'm pretty lucky in that regard but uh, all my stuff that i get is meant to be on shelves for people to see and and most of it is you can just pick it up off the shelf and handle it. And, you know, there's an X-Wing, you know, you want to press the button and make the noise, go ahead. And, you know, so I, I, I like the accessibility of having everything out where I can see it. And if I want to go pick it up or see if the, you know, once a year I check the batteries, you know, and, and everything, you know, make sure the electronics work. It's just it's just all right there. And I like that. I It's it's. You walk in, you see it, it's all right there. Nothing to hide. <laughs> so how do you feel about, um, like, factory-sealed toys, things that are still on the card or, you know? Ah. Um, Go ahead, Andy. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I, I know they have their place. Uh, for the most part, I'm a, I'm a take-it-out-and-play-with-it kind of guy. Uh, Me too, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 
I do have, I, you know, I do have, I do have things in the box. And usually if I have things in the box, it's because I'm not sure I want to keep it. Uh, um, if I know I, I like it and I want it and I'm going to keep it, I'll open it. Uh, now I, I have like a, a vintage Boba Fett on the card. Um, I'm not going to take that out uh, because right. that's, uh, that has a level of coolness on its own. Uh, but I also have a, a loose Boba Fett that, you know, if I want to mm-hmm. mess around with that, I, I still can. It, you know, it, this is where everybody's collection gets to be different because everybody's a little different. I, I won't begrudge anybody that leaves everything in the, in the packaging. Um, sure. because, because, you know, if, again, if you're not sure, it's a lot easier to sell if it's still in the box or still on the card or still, you know, in its packaging. Um, if it's like with Funko Pops, I'll give you for example, those are, are a nice little boxes that stack really well. And mm-hmm. so it's easy to keep those in the boxes because they, they stack and display pretty well. Yeah, um, I take things, mine out of the box. Do you keep the boxes? I do. Yeah. Okay. So then that now you're double the amount of space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, so, I mean, um, that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But, but you are allotting twice the space for one thing. Um, uh, well, no, why? Uh, yeah. I put the boxes away. And um, I actually have these. I bought these um, little clear plastic boxes for them, so you can see the entire Funko Pop. Gotcha. So you took them out of the box to put them in a box? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> um, I know it, it sounds it sounds weird, but the you know the the boxes they come in. I mean, you can see them and all, but you can't see the whole Funko pop. So I take them out and I put them in the plastic cases and you can see the entire Funko pop. You can pick it up, turn it around, look at it. It's other side and everything, you know, so there's um in the video game collecting world, um, sealed games is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say like a hot button issue, but it's definitely (laughs) a point of contention between collectors where sure. some people believe that video games are meant to be played. There's, why would you ever keep a game sealed? And then other people are like, well, I have you know a playable copy and a sealed copy because you know there aren't very many left, and you know, why would I want to open it if you know if there's this, that, and the other thing? You know, mm-hmm. if I want if I want a copy to play, I'll buy one that's already open. You know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, See, that's the other thing. Like some people do that with comic books. They'll buy two versions. They'll buy one to read. And one to just put away. And to me, mm-hmm. that's always just been spending extra money that I didn't need to spend. Well, it's like so. with the whole, you know, the whole grading and slabbing things. They do it right. for video games and cards and comic books and action figures. And you know, you're literally encasing it in a tube that it's never supposed to come out of and putting a number on it. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, on our, on our podcast, what Josh and I've been doing lately is we've been doing a little segment where we call it uh, take it out and play or leave it in the box. We've uh, got these little yeah. stickers for that. There. And he was nice Dad, enough to send me some stickers. Some stickers? <laughs> um, but uh, Josh or I will get something and then we'll like, all right. So like, I'll, I'll get something. I'll be like, Josh, am I going to leave it in the box or am I going to take it out and play with it? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to have a little conversation 
conversation about it. And then at the end of it, we're either ripping the package open and taking it out or we're setting it aside. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so it's been kind of fun because, you know, even though both of us collect Star Wars stuff, we are not into the same things. And so what we do with those things are different. Uh, Josh keeps all of his black series in boxes. I tend to open them up, you know, and, you know, there's, we just kind of go from there, but it is, uh, it is definitely something that there is not universal agreement on. And that's okay. That's okay. It'd be boring otherwise. Yeah. You don't definitely. want the same. We don't want everybody to have the same stuff. That's, then it's not cool. Yeah. What's the point of having something everybody else does to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Which I guess purpose. is another thing about collecting. Yeah, do you, is that is that something that's cool about collecting? Is having something that other people don't have? I would uh, say a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I I have a few things in my collection that I I really enjoy, partly because you know I've always wanted it, and partly because it's something that I've never seen other people have. Right. Like, this is something that's actually unique to like my collection. Um, well, that that goes back to what you had said earlier, Andy, about part of it being kind of like a competition in a way. So some things you can do that and go, Oh, look, you have this nice collection. That's nice. Look what I have over here that you don't have. <laughs> uh, every, every conversation that I have with a video game collector is just a, the battle is one upping each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, this, this you is have that game? I have that game sealed. Oh, well, you have that. Well, I got your know, earthbound in the box. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's, it's see this is the competition part of it coming out a little bit yep exactly. but, uh, but you know uh and again i keep talking about josh and i but we get to appreciate what we don't have in each other's collections so in a way this is how we rationalize not being absolutely complete this about everything like well if i if if josh has something cool then I'll just go over to his house and, and look at it and see it. And and, I, and that'll satiate my desire to go get one for myself. You know, that's not, that's not to say that we, we don't have some of the same things, but like, then I don't get to feel jealous or, or like my collection's not as good as Josh's cause he's got this, but I don't, I can just go over and see it. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to go buy it. It's just right over, you know, Josh lives five miles miles away from me so if i want to go see it i just go see it you know or if he got something cool you know and he wants to show me he just comes over you know it's not yeah. like mm-hmm. so so it it does in that regard if you can take that approach if you have somebody that you have you know a like collection with then it doesn't have to be a one-upsmanship kind of thing i i think we kind of do that with people we don't know as well just yeah. to kind of right. establish yeah. who we are a little bit but uh, once you kind of get to know him, it's like, well, I can appreciate those things over at his house so that I can go get what I want to get instead of feeling like I have to go stay, you know, keep pace. Mm. Yeah. You know. My my brother also collects video games, but he does, does um, different consoles. You know, he does original Nintendo, Game Boy, and things that I don't collect or big box PC DOS games and things like that. Mm. Um, so when I'm out looking for games to buy for my collection, I can also kind of collect Nintendo games vicariously through his collection. Oh, I find yeah. it to be like, oh, I found this really cool game and I picked it up for you and things like that. So it's, it's fun being able to collect it without really collecting it. Yeah. Now, going back to um, displaying and organizing and things. So when I've been reorganizing my room recently, I've decided to kind of do things a little different than I had normally had. Like for one thing, I've started 
I have an area right over here in front of me that's I decided to do all Darth Vader stuff and um things like that. So I've decided to kind of split my collection up according to certain things. Like behind me here, I have these are all vehicles. Um of some of them are Hot Wheels vehicles, some of them are um Hallmark ornaments and stuff, but that's all vehicles and stuff. And um <laughs> one thing I've done is I've taken some old furniture and stuff and used turn that into the display things like the the stuff here is on an old desk that we don't use anymore so I just took the desk and now I use it to display stuff and the, all my Darth Vader stuff is on an old TV stand that we don't use anymore so rather than do like fancy display stands and and cabinets and all that I just use whatever <laughs> whatever furniture we're not using anymore because, you know, who cares, yeah. right? It makes sense. Yeah. It saves money. <laughs> <laughs> we were just going to throw it out anyway, so. Yeah, might as well repurpose it. Yeah, really. I just got to duck down real quick. I got to use the bathroom again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, whatever, whatever I decide I want to do with my collection has to be limited to the room. Uh, if it creeps out of the room... You know, even if it's in other parts of the basement, it certainly can't come upstairs. Uh, uh, my wife is patient with me in a lot of things, but uh, my my collection, my collecting is limited to one room in the house. Right. And I am and I, I'm thankful for that. Right. I'm not. <laughs> I am the same. Get right. <laughs> yeah. When we bought my, our house, a different. when we bought our house, um, you know, we my wife knew and I already said, you know, this room that I'm in right now, it is actually, it was uh, originally a nursery. So that's why there's like a little, um, a little border around the wall of cute yeah, little animals. Teddy bears and and <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm going to leave it up. I don't care. I'm just going to cover it with, you know, other stuff anyway. But this is my room and I have to keep everything in my room. And, you know, and I'm fine with that. And I, I'm not allowed to like overwhelm the whole house with things, but I do have like a display case in the living room. Um, and mm. when uh, my wife and I first got married, um, and I moved in, she, uh, she had an apartment at the time and I moved into the apartment once after we got married and she had set up shelving specifically for my Super Nintendo collection right in the main living room area as like a, you know, this is your house too kind of thing. And <laughs> that, that was really cool because of the surprise and it was really, really nice. Um, so we don't have a lot of uh, shelving or anything at all where we are now. I uh, just have that one display case in the main living room that has <clears throat> video game stuff in it. Everything else is kind of in my office. Yeah, I've the seen that display case. It's very beautiful. It is, yes. Yeah, it's got lots of, it's lots very of nice. figures and music boxes and things. And, and what about your... Well, um... <laughs> that's what display cases do. Yeah, exactly. And Byron, what about mm -hmm. your um, your Nintendo Switch games that you have... Um, oh, laid, well, laid out the Switch the is TV. in the living room because that's where we play. So. <laughs> yeah, so the the console itself is in the living room, so we keep the games with the console. Um, I keep the the cartridges outside of the cases because they're tiny and the cases aren't tiny. Um, <laughs> and so we can keep them all, you know, in the living room by the console without it taking up a ton of room. Are those actually organized or just? Uh, no. No, they're just they're just there. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot less of them than there used to be. Yeah, I had probably 250 of them at the height of my Switch collecting, but then 
Now I've scaled back and probably wow. have, I don't know, 80. So it's still a lot of switch games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, it's big question time. So here's my okay. big two part question for you. Number one, and actually, I think, Andy, we already know the answer to this one from you, but number one, do you have a holy grail, something that you really, really want, and you don't know if you'll ever be able to get it? So, Andy? Yes. We'll start with you, since we kind of already know yours. Well, yeah, it's, well, the the Ewok battle wagon, I... I need it and I want it, but I don't consider <laughs> that a holy grail. Ah. Uh, that's something uh, the holy grail is something that I don't think I will ever be able to get. Yes, I I'm going to get that battle wagon. It you may not be here, folks. this week. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's the last thing on my list, so I got to get it. But um, now, Andy. But, when, when you do finally get that battle wagon, I expect you to DM me on Twitter a, a good picture of it. Oh, I won't DM it. I'm going to blast it. So. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, something that uh, something that I would consider like Holy Grail is something like, man, the, the only way I would get something like that is if it was uh, ex- uh, some sort of extenuating circumstance that was I would never have expected. So, you know, um, man, you know, there's what I would love and I'm not sure I would ever have the means to get it. But, uh, so I said earlier that I had a Boba Fett, a carded Boba Fett Mm -hmm. was return of the Jedi, you know, which is cool, but it's not, you know, there it's the third, well, it's the, third most valuable of the carded versions, right? There's the Star Wars carded Boba Fett. There's a couple of different Empire Strikes Back carded Boba Fetts. And then there's Return of the Jedi. Well, the Return of the Jedi is probably the easiest to get. So, but uh, an Empire Strikes Back Boba Fett, carded Boba Fett would be something that I would consider on my Holy Grail list. Um, You know, I... I, uh, I, I, that's, those are thousands of dollars, you know, things that are hundreds of dollars, Right. Yeah. you know, if if I can't get it right away, I just have to save up, you know, maybe a couple months and I can do it. But things that are thousands of dollars, then it's like, I'm, then I'm prioritizing a toy over my family. And, uh, and that's a lot harder to do. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, uh, so that's, that's what I would say. Like an empire strikes back carded Boba Fett. That's something that I would love to have, but I'm not sure if I would ever be in this place to get one. Mm. Mm. Uh, Lee, do you have any Holy Grails? I have, uh, well, two that I can think of. One of them I already have, so I don't know if that counts. I have acquired the Holy Grail to an extent. That's a good thing. And that's, uh, it's uh, Pink Floyd's <laughs> the, or the Early Years box set. Oh, wow. Pink Floyd. It's a collection of like uh, rare recordings between like 1960 1960- and 1972 so like um oh, that sounds awesome the, uh, the era like all the stuff they did before dark side of the Moon. um and that i'm looking at it right now it's it's like 10 cds 10 dvds um, wow. a lot of blu-ray discs that i can't can't even use because i don't have a blu-ray player uh. it came with posters and like uh stickers and memorabilia i put some of the posters up they look fantastic i got it at 
at the end of 2016, um, and it was I, I struck a deal with my mom. I paid for half of it, and she paid for the other half as a Christmas present. It was over five hundred dollars. Wow, nice to get the box set. It was it was the most. It's like the most expensive thing I've ever like bought, except for maybe like a guitar or something. Mm. But um, that's that's the holy grail that I already have now. A holy grail that I don't know if I'm ever going to have, just because there's too much other stuff, is uh, the Neil Young Archive Collection, Ooh. which is um, it's an ongoing thing for one for one thing. Like there's like there's like a volume of it now. I forget how many discs it is, but it's a lot. It's like it would take like a day to listen to the whole thing. Like oh, if you wow. listen, to um, that came out like probably at the beginning of last decade. And that's one of those things, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have that or if I'm ever going to really want that. Uh, given how much stuff there is, um, that, uh, some other stuff that I could explore, you know? Those both sound really cool. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I've listened to them. Yeah, definitely. All right, Byron, you're up. I know you got something. Uh, so I got one of my Holy Grails last fall. Uh, which was something that I had wanted for the better part of a decade, um, possibly even more, actually, now I think about it. Um, and I managed to acquire it because one of, like, three or four known to exist went, for, went up for sale right here in Massachusetts. Um, and I managed to catch that, that sale happening within a week of it going up, which was cool. Um, it was expensive. Um, it's that, uh, I think, Derek, you've seen it. Lee, you might have seen it in my garage, the, the, just, uh, the rotating... Super Nintendo store display kiosk. Oh yeah, um, yeah, you finished yeah. that. That was yeah. Crazy. I just I, I saw that in the store back when I was you know re- relatively new to collecting, and I just like I knew that I had to have it. And eventually that store put it up for sale because they needed money for something, um, and it was very expensive. But I I couldn't just not do it <laughs> because I'd wanted it for so long, and I knew I'd never gonna see another one ever. Um, but so at this point, there's there's a couple holy grails as far as like Super Nintendo collecting goes. One that's just everybody that collects Super Nintendo has this this kind of same holy grail because there's only two known to exist. Um, and I think the last one sold in like 2012 for twenty thousand dollars or something. Um, wow! It's the the Nintendo yeah the Nintendo Power Fest 1994 cartridge. Because oh. Nintendo held a competition known as Power Fest that, um, at various colleges in 1994. And they used this specific cartridge that had multiple games built in with a scoring system to do the contest. Um, and they supposedly destroyed them after the contest was done, but two of them are known to still exist. And uh, that would be cool to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know yeah. I know I'm just never going to. Right. How much yeah. is so, 20000 The most recent sale that I, I could find any information on, because most of them were done in private, um, was, was around $20,000. I imagine now it would be considerably higher. Wow. So, so Byron, would you trade your collection for that one thing? Ooh, good question. Um, if I needed $20,000 to get it, like it wasn't any higher than that, and it was like a guaranteed I could have it if I had $20,000, I would, yes, I would sell my entire GameCube collection. I would sell other things to get mm. that because I can get the other stuff back a lot easier than I'd ever find another Power Fest. Wow. No, I'm, I'm saying, Power Fest is in one hand, the collection is in the other. Your current collection is in the other. You get to take one. It doesn't cost you any money. You just get to have one. Which, which well, that's one similar you- to having to sell one to get the 
the other. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess have so. one or the other. Um, but you would never get it. So, back. so what you're right. So what you're saying is I could never have anything else back. As like I can only have Power Fest. Yeah, one or the other. Okay. <laughs> um, well, if I had to stop collecting because I got it, then no, I wouldn't want it because I enjoy collecting more than actually having the collection. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I that makes sense completely. But if I didn't have to stop collecting entirely, then yeah, I'd probably go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my ultimate, my um, holy grail has been the same thing since I've been a kid. I wanted it when I was a kid, and I couldn't get it, and I'd still love to get it. But there's no way I will probably ever get one, and it is um. The original version of the Transformers toy, Fortress Maximus. Um, mm. Now, for those who don't know, Fortress Maximus was uh, a Transformer, obviously. Came out in 1987, um, a little bit after the animated movie came out. And what makes him so cool is he is a two-foot-tall Transformer. Um, and... He transforms into a fortress and then back into a two foot tall robot. He has a separate. This came out at the time of the line that were called Headmasters, where all the heads of the Transformers transformed into little robots. So his head transforms into a separate robot that's at least like five inches tall or something. Um, and I wanted him when I was a kid so badly, but I could never get him because being a two foot tall Transformer. He was very expensive, and he's even more expensive now. Like, now he goes for, like, $800 easily for one with missing parts. So, that will probably end up... The more I wait, the more expensive he gets. So, that'll probably be one I will never mm -hmm. get, but I've always wanted it. Yeah. yeah that's one of the uh, hard things about collecting things, is if, if mm -hmm. you don't get the expensive stuff, first it's just yes. going to get more and more expensive <laughs> yeah i had experience with an album very recently I, I got an album for more than i would have wanted to pay but i knew if i if i didn't get it it would just get more and more expensive right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so sometimes I've made that mistake you, a few times sometimes yeah. you just got to pull the trigger on it and, and go for it <laughs> I guess so. now the next part of that question i wanted to ask is um what would you guys say would be your biggest regret whether it be something you missed out on or something you had a chance to get but couldn't get or any for any other reason and uh we'll go in the same order andy oh boy um there's uh, i mean just just off the top of my head there's a number of ebay auctions that you know I bid, you know, whatever my bid was, I got beat out by, you know, a dollar or three dollars. Oh. I'm just like, ah, yeah. you know, why didn't I put, why didn't I put five, five more bucks down? Because at that point, what's five more bucks? Right. And, you don't necessarily uh, know what their high, high end was, though. Yeah. I know, I know, but but I gotta think that it would have helped on a, right. a handful of times. That's just that what if, you know. But, um, you know, I. When I uh, sold or traded away a lot of those GI Joes that were mine and my brothers, uh -huh. I I have a pang of of remorse in doing so. Um, 
and and you know I I used what I got for those to get more Star Wars stuff, and so it's not like I didn't get anything back out of it, but I do regret I do regret selling and trading off a lot of that stuff because a there was just a ton of it, and I and I loved all of it because it was all stuff from when we were kids, um, and then uh, and then just I don't know I. I'm the most sentimental when it comes to my brothers and myself. And so when I see those toys, I don't see toys. I see my brother, Nick and my brother, Eric and, you know, and, and my parents who got most of that stuff for us. And, um, you know, there's Christmas pictures of us opening up like the hovercraft and the hydrofoil, uh, and the, you know, you know, so I, I think of that and, and it's like, man, did I, I, I do regret, you know, it, it's not like, the one that got away because I let it go away. It, it just, I don't know. Lately I've been a little like, man, I wish I would have still had some of that stuff. Cause it was pretty cool. And, and, you know, but at the time I was prioritizing, you know, like we do. And, and, uh, that, that got on the short end of the stick. So, uh. um, so I, I would like, I, I can't say that I'm going to get any of it back or try and recoup some of the things, but I do kind of wish I still had some of it. If that, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question. No, totally. That totally does. Uh, Lee, do you have any uh, big regret? Something you missed out on? or? Um, the only thing I can think of right, right now is I used to have like a um, special deluxe edition. Right? Well, yeah, a little hard to explain. Well, no, no, it's not hard to explain. It just takes a few seconds. Um, I had like a deluxe edition of an album called Pisces Iscariot. By the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah. Which it, it's um, it's kind of sort of their third album, but it's a, it's a collection of B sides and stuff. It came right. out in 1994. The deluxe edition came out in I think 2013 and um, or 2012, like late 2012. And I bought it. I had it, and I I bought it, and I I uh, um I had it for a while, and then I transferred. The contents of the box, because it comes in a box. It's like a box version of the, the original album, like made out of whatever cardboard. And, mm. You know, it's all glossy looking. So I took the contents out because it came with like, well, uh, two CDs, a DVD, and these weird Polaroid pictures. But I don't have the box anymore. I just have the contents of the box, and I hate it because, like, because I display. I have I have a couple of these like special edition super. Ex- Duper expanded Smashing Pumpkins albums. I have Stymie's Dream. I have Gish. I have The Airplane Flies High, and I have Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Oh wow! And that kind of completes a section from 1991 through 1996. That's my favorite year of the band. Right. So now when I look at them, even though I know I have the discs to Pisces Iscariot, the case is missing, and and that that really kills me. Because uh, I, I get that. Really, I can't really justify buying it again just to get the key right you know that's just kind of a waste mm-hmm. it just and no, I'm, I'm and no one's it just now. no one's just gonna sell the case either you know yeah yeah right so that's that's it that's that that's my big regret uh i totally I feel that it. i totally feel you on that one totally yeah <laughs> what about you byron uh i don't have any like really big regrets aside from just you know, i i had started collecting early on when games game collecting like was still in its infancy kind of where mm. things hadn't exploded yet it wasn't this big phenomenon with people scouring flea markets and yard sales and things um 
and yet I, I still didn't like get started very seriously. You know, I bought games here and there, and that was about it. So I guess my biggest regret in that case would be that I, I waited too long to really get going, mm-hmm. and everything was really expensive by the time I did. Right. Whereas if I had actually like started when I started instead of just sporadically buying games here and there, yeah, I could have I could have gotten in and gotten what I wanted to get a long time before they were, you know, two hundred dollar games, you know, when right. they were twenty dollars at, at Blockbuster or something. Um so yeah, mostly just waiting too long to get started. Even just with my recent GameCube collection, yeah, I waited until this year to get started. And this year is when prices on GameCube stuff went insane. If mm-hmm. I'd started even just last year, it would have been considerably cheaper. So Yeah, that's just, that's something that a lot of collectors have regrets about too. They just started their collection before, you know, later than they wish they had. And because you don't realize it until you really start collecting it, you know, what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I started initially in 2003 and in 2003, you know, games that are really expensive now were probably five or ten dollars because you know, people were right. stores were trying to get rid of them. Yeah. They weren't trying to bank off of them. Um, people were getting rid of them at yard sales and flea markets and eBay, you could get like piles of games for ten bucks and but I instead spent I spent some of my, you know, pocket change because I was a kid at the time, um, mm-hmm. on games that I had remembered renting as a um, when I was even younger and wanted to play again. Right. And that was like the, how I started my collection. But I didn't really take it seriously and start getting boxes and start getting like harder to find games until much later when they had all started already going up. Mm. I think my biggest regret is kind of similar to to Andy's in a way in that um when I was I don't know maybe a senior in high school I decided of course you know like a lot of kids do at that age that I was too old for my toys so I decided to start getting rid of them and I remember specifically I sold a bunch of my transformers um my original transformers to this one kid Craig and um you know I I sold them for really cheap cuz I just wanted to get rid of them at the time cuz I'm like I don't need these anymore I'm I'm an adult now mm. and um <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a dumb thing to say now but um so I sold them to <laughs> I sold the toys to him and um and there was some of you know some some of the ones I really loved so I kind of regret that because now I wish I still had them and there's no, you know, getting them back would be really expensive now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my biggest regret on that one. But, you know. Yeah, I have a. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I had that experience with my PS1 games. Oh. There was. Mm-hmm. A, when I got. I decided I was too old for my old PS1 collection and I sold them to, like, GameStop or something. Mm. And that, that was. Spyro the Dragon, the original Spyro the Dragon. Oh yeah, uh, a couple others, and I'm mm-hmm. never going to get those back. And I, yeah, sold them for pennies, pretty much. <laughs> right. And some some PS1 games now that I remember like renting as a kid and really enjoying, but never buying, mm. are really expensive now mm-hmm. because I guess they were rare games. Everyone else did the same thing where they rented it and never bought it. Right. <laughs> so it's like I guess there's a bit of regret there. <laughs> to of, of renting things instead of instead of buying them outright. Yeah, yeah. I, I never went through the phase of like, oh, I'm too old for this. I'm going to sell all my games. Yeah, I've had, I have still some of the same games I had growing up as a kid. And we just, we just never got rid of them. Um, That's good. 
I'll tell I'll tell you right now. Anybody listening to this who's who's young or anything like that, if you ever get to a point where you might think, "Oh, I'm too old for this. I don't need it anymore." Don't get rid of it. Just put it away. <laughs> Everything. Because yeah, exactly. Because when you get older, you might you might wish you still had that stuff. So you know, don't don't do it. Don't get rid of it unless you really need money. Wait, then don't just blindly like get rid of it. Yeah. yeah, there there are some things that it's okay to get rid of, and you might not care in the future. But you know, really think about it. If yeah. it's something you really really love, you'll probably still love it in the future too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're we're uh we're getting ready to start winding down here. We've had a pretty good show. Um I just wanted to say um and get maybe get your guys' thoughts on this. I think um one of the big things about collecting is of course we talked about, you know, like the hunt and and the competition of collecting and the fun of collecting and all that. But I think one of the big things that we haven't talked about yet with collecting is um, like I can go around the room, I can go around my room here and I can look at stuff and a lot, maybe not everything, but a lot of things I have a memory of where I got it or how I got it, what, what, what I went through to get it and everything. So I think that's a big part of collecting too, is some of the memories and, mm. and, and sentimental feelings you have with the stuff too. Uh, oh, most definitely. Yeah, you know, my favorite part of collecting isn't having a collection; it's collecting the stuff in the first place. Right, exactly. Which is kind of funny in a way, but it is a big part of it. Mm. So, um, is there anything else any of you guys want to bring up before we close out here? Well, I just wanted to say that I I definitely feel you on that thing because I'm the way my camera's positioned right now. I'm looking at my CDs as I'm talking, and pretty much everyone has like like a memory attached to it. I remember like where I was in my life when I was getting it and first listening to it, where exactly. I bought it. I don't remember where I bought them. Um, but, and one thing, I especially like the memories of um, buying it in a physical store at the, the Newbury Comics that's there anymore in Lemonster. Oh that yeah. Was, you know, old CDs. And that's the real, like, um, it's melodramatic to call it like a tragedy. It makes me melancholy. Um, CDs aren't sold um, in stores anymore. Like you, yeah. I, pretty much all the CDs that I buy online, and it's not the same. I love going to the store. I love like looking through them, looking through, looking for um, the good stuff, looking for hidden gems, new stuff. That's a part of my experience as a collector. Right. That's pretty much forever. Um, so that's I. I can't say that that like going back to the thing about regrets. It's not really a regret because it's not based on anything I did or didn't do. But it's like it's really like it's nostalgic to the point where it's painful to think about those those record stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. We, you know, uh, me and my buddy used to make trips to to different stores just just to go pick up CDs and stuff. And now we can't do that anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's one one nice thing about uh, retro game stores popping up all over the place is I can I can go out in any direction and, and find something somewhere. Um, yeah, that's uh, I, I like to cool. go to the physical locations. Mm. Yeah, that's always. I have, a, I have a chart on my computer of all sixty or sixty different 
video game stores in New England, and I, I charted them out on a map <laughs> and have routes from my house that kind of loop around through six or seven different stores and back to my house. So I can, like, I have the northern route and the, the northwestern route and the eastern route. And I can just go and go to a bunch <laughs> of stores in a day. <laughs> I think that's part of the fun that you don't you don't get just buying stuff online. Mm-hmm. Mm. Definitely. But it, you know, it's that's, the thrill of the hunt. Yeah, but it's harder to do nowadays. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. But even even just like part of the fun part is is meeting the people that run the stores, meeting other collectors, making connections with people. Um, you know, I have a I have a, a good friend up in Vermont um, that I met on my honeymoon because he owned a video game store that we went and visited while we were up there. Mm. And even though I you know, so I haven't seen him in five years, we still talk regularly and then chat about games and, you know, Oh yeah. Um, he shows me things that come into his store. He's like, Oh, look what just came in. It's so cool. And all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, like, like Andy had said before is it's part of it is, is building up uh, a community around the stuff you collect. Yeah. A lot of fun. The real collection are the friends you made along the way. That's nice. That's real. (laughs) (laughs) Real buried treasure. Yes, indeed. All right. On that note, um, I think we'll start. We'll wrap things up here. So um, we'll uh, we'll go around, and if there's anything you want to plug or mention or talk about, um, I'll let you start, Andy, since I know you've got your podcast and everything. Yeah, we uh, Josh and I do a a weekly podcast. Comes out on Mondays called the Hollow Chronicles podcast. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We'll, we will engage with you at Hollow Chronicles. And, uh, and yeah, the Josh is on vacation this week. And so I think I'm going to do a little live stream on Monday, probably around noon. So if you're not free, come on, hang out on YouTube. We're a part of the beyond the blast doors network. And so if you go to YouTube under beyond the blast doors, that's where you will find us on Mondays. Excellent. Um, and did you want to um, mention any Twitter or anything like that? Social media? What was that? Did you want to mention any of your social medias or anything? Uh, just Twitter. I mean, we have an Instagram, but we're not real great about it. And, and we are on Facebook as well. Um, uh, but it's all under Hollow Chronicles, so it's the same in in all all the places except for YouTube, where I'm Beyond the Blast Stores, and I guess Beyond the dot com is our website too, where we have articles and podcasts and uh, reviews on uh, people's toy collections and and all that. So that's where you can find us. Cool. And um, I know one thing I love that you guys do is you do your uh, show me your collection every week where you have people yeah. send in pictures and stuff of their collection. So that's always fun. It is. It's fun to see what other people have and see, uh, you know, it, it builds that community up. Mm-hmm. Cause we know, I don't know of a single person that has a collection that doesn't want to show it to people, you know? So, uh, right. So it's like an aspect of collecting is just, kind of hey, showing look, off. I guess. Yeah. Hey, look, at, <laughs> look, look at my cool stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, Byron, did you have anything? You want to mention the store or anything? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like like mentioned at the beginning of the pod- podcast, I work at Matt's Entertainment in Fitchburg. Uh, we do all sorts of collectibles. It's, it's kind of our thing. Yeah, We do the comic books, the new and old, um, retro toys, and 
uh, board games and vinyl. We have some CDs, uh, video games and magic cards and Pokemon cards. And if, it, if it's uh, geeky and collectible and things like that, then we probably have it, you know, <laughs> in some capacity. Awesome. All right. Um, and uh, did we lose Lee? I think we lost Lee. Yeah, he disappeared uh, a minute or two ago. <laughs> well, that's all right. Um, so I guess on that note, um, I want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast. This was a really great episode. A lot of fun talking about collecting. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm always down for talking about collecting things. Well, <laughs> that's good to know because we might do more of these in the future. <laughs> cool. And on that note, uh, thank you all for listening. Of course, I appreciate you all. And um, as always, I just want to tell everybody to stay safe out there. Um, you know, be smart. Uh, try to be kind to each other because, you know, we're all in this together right now. And, uh, you know, don't give up those toys and stuff just because you think you've outgrown them. That's my final note. (laughs) And on that note, good night, everybody. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's n-e-s-o-g-pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Nesog Podcast. That's N-E-S-O-G Podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at Nesog Pod. That's N-E-S-O-G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it if you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night.